Along the way, lots of ups and downs. Being a professional athlete is not easy. And especially in an individual sport where you are an entrepreneur, you have to pay for all of your travel, yeah. your caddies, all the expenses, and try to earn a living net positive at the end of the year. But in the end, I decided, hey, I've got this great experience. I made some great friends out here, but I don't think this is where I want to end up. I'd like to take what I've learned and apply it to something in business. I'm the kind of person who, for better or worse, doesn't think too hard about whether it's all gonna be a perfect outcome. I just trust myself enough to say, I'll dive in and if it works, great. If it doesn't, it'll still be a great experience and I'll figure it out. Hopefully it set me up for success in what I'm doing now. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks so much for joining us, and please subscribe to the show so you hear about all of our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. Before we get started, I wanted to thank one of our sponsor partners, Golf Genius Software, for helping bring you this episode. Golf Genius Software powers tournament management at thousands of private clubs, public courses, resorts, and golf associations all over the world. So if you're a golf course operator and you want to do less work, have more fun, and generate more revenue, check them out online at golfgenius.com. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Jihei Lee, co-founder and CEO of Sportsbox AI. I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with Jihei a few years ago when she was the head of business development at Topgolf, but today we're going to focus on the creation of her newest venture. That was founded in 2020, a little less than a year ago, and that is Sportsbox AI, and it's AI-powered technology company that develops artificial intelligent coaching, mobile applications in sports and fitness using patent-pending 3D motion analysis and kinematic AI technology. If that sounded like a bit of a word salad there, don't worry. She is much more eloquent than I am, and she will actually tell us all of what that is. As we get started here, first I just want to say, hey, Jihei, thanks so much for joining us today, and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This is going to be fun. It certainly is. So, hey, before we get started on what you're doing on the business side and the entrepreneurial side, which is fascinating, I love your journey and what you've been doing for the last few years and what you're doing now, but let's go back a little bit. Let's start with golf and your personal relationship with golf. So, tell us the first time you ever picked up a golf club. What age? And tell us about that experience. And then follow that up with one amazing golf moment that you remember that makes you smile when you think about it. Yeah, <laughs> certainly a relationship. I love that you positioned it that way. And the relationship has changed and evolved over the course of my life. First time I picked up the club. Actually, let me go back a little bit further. Um, I'm the middle child. I have an older sister and a younger brother. My older sister picked up the piano at an early age. I didn't really have my own thing going. My dad had me and my brother swing in a plastic bat, right? The, like a t-ball bat when we right. were young. And apparently I took this giant swing, like, you know, stepped into it and really got my hips into my whole body into it and hit the ball a mile, right? <laughs> like for a small child, this is when I was seven years old. And they're like, oh, wow, like she really knows how to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, how about golf? And back then, this is in 1991, so like this is pre-Seri Pack era. Golf hadn't really boomed the way it has over the last couple decades, as you've seen with all the South Korean women golfers on the LPGA Tour and the global stage. So it was a little bit random, but they got a golf club in my hands. They took me to a driving range, set me up with the coach, and that was history. 
Nice. Yeah, and then a good memory. I mean, I have to say my experience at the LPGA Tour qualifying tournament, the final stage in 2008. I was in Daytona Beach, in Florida, and normally 355 days out of the year, it's beautiful and sunny and a good place to vacation. But the one week when the LPGA qualifiers could descend to try to make their way onto the tour, it's 40 degrees and raining and stormy. And this week was no exception. It was awful. The weather was just unbearable. Thankfully, I made it through the five days of the grueling days. And on the final day, final hole, I hit my seven iron and hit the flag stick and that left like a tap in for birdie to make it on tour. And I did, my caddy turns to me and she says, welcome to the LPGA tour. And then I got to the green, tapped it in and my dad was there. And my dad is this super stoic man, doesn't express his feelings very often. And he literally had tears in his eyes. Wow. <laughs> he was just so proud and he was there every step of the way. He just had this like tiny little windbreaker on him because he expected Florida weather. He was there every step of the way. And the moment I tapped it and he literally had tears in his eyes. That is amazing. I love that story. You have not shared that one before. I love that. That has definitely got to be right at the top there of your list there. So thanks for sharing that. So, so people that don't know you that well, let's start with that. So you actually played professional golf. Tell us a little bit about that experience. You look at where you were then and where you are now, as we know, in entrepreneurship, it is not a straight line at all. Tell us a bit about your golf career. And then once that came to an end and you realized you had to find something else, how did you make those decisions? Did you have any type of a plan or what you wanted to do? Because you ended up going to Wharton for your MBA. So tell us about your own journey and some of the decisions you made to realize that what you're going to do beyond golf, which I find very fascinating because now it really evolves around golf the last few years in your career. So tell us about that, about your professional golf career and then the decisions post-professional golf of what you wanted to do with your life. Yeah. And if you don't mind me like telling the whole story, because it really has been a winding road of a yeah. journey. Go for it. <laughs> Tell, yep. straight, I hear it. Not a straight line at all. So I was, I was at Yale for undergrad and my parents were hoping that I would graduate and go make lots of money like everyone else in my class. Right, right. And uh, I was supposed to go into investment banking. I was at Lehman Brothers in 2005 in Hong Kong as my summer internship between my junior and senior years. So that's kind of the path that I was expected to go on. In my senior year, the Yale women's golf team won the Ivy League championships. We went to the NCAA regionals. And as a junior golfer and college golfer, I was just the most mediocre player out there. Like I literally never won any tournament in my entire amateur career. So for me, like just being at the regionals among the best amateur golfers in the country, like that was a big honor, right? Like I was looking around and I was like, oh my God, these girls are so good. And then I played decently. Like I wasn't top 10 or anything, but I played decently. I was middle of the pack. I was like, huh, maybe, maybe if I actually worked at this, <laughs> I could be decent at it and be really competitive. And so that just kind of like planted a seed in my head. And I had a conversation with our coach, the Yale women's golf coach, Chowdy Rampabong at the time. And she had a little bit of experience playing professionally before she became a coach. And I was like, Chowdy, what do you think? And she's like, I think you should go for it. 
<laughs> and talk to my parents, obviously. And I really give my parents a lot of credit for having the foresight to be like, look, if she succeeds in golf, great. If not, it's going to pay off. Like it's going to be a great experience that will add to her life, however that is. So they're like, go for it, we'll support you. And so I went and dove in and moved to Florida and played uh, professionally for about five and a half years. Luckily, I did get my tour card that year, as I mentioned. Right. 09, had my full status. 2010, I actually played out in Europe on the Ladies European Tour. Had a great time, came back and played a full season on the LPGA Tour in 2011. Along the way, lots of ups and downs, right? Being a professional athlete is not easy. And especially in an individual sport where you really truly, you are an entrepreneur, right? Like you have to pay for all of your travel, your caddies, all the expenses and try to earn a living, right? Like net positive at the end of the year. And you're gathering sponsors and support and managing your social media. It truly is like being an entrepreneur. But in the end, I decided, hey, I've got this great experience. I've made some great friends out here, but I don't think this is where I want to end up. I'd like to take what I've learned and apply it to something in business, right? Sports business is a big world and I'd like to see what's out there for me. So from there, I went to IMG, worked there representing Michelle Wee for about a year and a half and then got my degree at Wharton. So that's just kind of how things went. I'm the kind of person who, for better or worse, doesn't think too hard about whether it's all going to be a perfect outcome. I just trust myself enough to say, I'll dive in. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, it'll still be a great experience. And I'll figure it out, right? I'll figure it out. Whatever it is, I'll just figure it out. So that's what's allowed me to do these different things. And Hopefully, it set me up for success in what I'm doing now. Nice. That's such a healthy attitude. And I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. And I know that I I was in this mindset for years and years and years. That's the way we were brought up through academics, you know, between pass and fail, rather than treating it as an experiment, as we do in entrepreneurship. This one phrase that I heard a while ago that I really embrace, and it sounds like you do too, you kind of said it in a different way. And that is, rather than demand certainty... I strive for clarity with every conversation I have, with everything that I learn. And, and then you make decisions as you go, as, as things reveal themselves. I know so many people still that wait for every duck to be lined up in a row before they'll even take that first step. And if you do, you're just going to be standing there forever. So I love that attitude. Sounds like you were built for entrepreneurship from day one. And it sounds like being on the tour where you're running your own business while you're trying to make cuts at a tournament. I couldn't even imagine the level of stress of juggling all those balls. So you're you're kind of built for this. So then tell us after Wharton's, and that's about the time that we met, tell us about your time and experience with Topgolf, because you got in there really at a great time. So tell us about what you were then brought on first to, and then what that role expanded to before we get into what you're doing with Sportsbox AI. Yeah, so 2015, I was graduating from business school and I was considering, hey, maybe I should go and get classic business training at a management consulting firm or investment. Like I, again, was tempted by what my peers were doing, the traditional path. And Mm -hmm. lucky for me, through a mutual friend, I met Eric Anderson and he's kind of the modern day 
founder of Top Golf. I guess he, he took a concept and really turned it into what it is, what you see now yep. as Top Golf. And he described the vision and saw something in me, saw some kind of a potential in me and said, hey, I think you'd be a great fit. I don't know what, what you're going to do, but come and join us and, and we'll figure it out. <laughs> and so I joined in business strategy where I was an internal consultant to the CEO and worked on various different projects. How do we get to this revenue goal? Hey, what does the new Vegas venue revenue model look like? Hey, how do we work on integrating instruction as a revenue stream to our venue business? And then as the brand grew, and remember in 2015, I think Topgolf was at 14 venues in the U.S., right? Relatively small. Yeah. Your yeah. hospitality play, you know, didn't have any other business units like Top Tracer and Topgolf Media like you see today. So I was working purely on the venue business. And then as the brand grew arms, uh, acquired different tech and media companies along the way and created Topgolf Media, Top Tracer out of the Pro Tracer acquisition, mm-hmm. created Topgolf Swing Suite out of the partnership with Full Swing. I kept raising my hand to join those startups within the brand and do the most entrepreneurial thing possible, right? I said, hey, I had this Top Golf tour thing should exist. We should have a competitive event series that culminates in Vegas and give people money for winning this cool championship. So I, d- I would just propose these crazy ideas and I would have to get executive buy-in and, and a little bit of a budget to go and do it. So actually gave me really good training to do what I'm doing now, which is creating a business model for a new idea, getting the funding to do it, and then executing on scarce resources. Right. So you got your your reps in as an entrepreneur within Top Golf. You know, we've worked together and, and I've had the chance to work and collaborate with others on the leadership team. And I will say it is such an environment and culture of innovation that they truly embrace and, and embrace that idea of clarity over certainty also. So the term we like to use within a, a larger organization is you are an intrapreneur, an entrepreneur inside of an, an organization. So it's really set you up for what you're doing now. So you finished up at Top Golf a year or so ago. So tell us about that because they were acquired by Callaway. And then of course with COVID, the timing was unfortunate that they were ready to go public with an IPO like weeks or even days before the whole COVID shutdown hit and that went sideways. So so tell us about your transition once you decided to finish up with Top Golf, and did you take some time off? And were you already thinking about your next move here with Sportsbox AI? So tell us about that, the next step in the journey between finishing up with Top Golf and then imagining with your co-founding team here of what you're doing now. Yeah, so last year, I guess it's been a year now, I was getting ready to do my own thing. Felt like I'd learned a lot and made some great relationships, but I was kind of ready to do something on my own, something more entrepreneurial. <laughs> told my boss, Ben Sharp, I was working in the Top Tracer division last year. Told Ben that, hey, I've always dreamt of being an entrepreneur. I'd like to go do this thing. And I had a concept that I wanted to work on on my own. I had an MVP for this concept, something that I'd been thinking of ever since I was in business school and was working on an MVP for that. But along came this group in Seattle called AI Think Tank, which was founded by these two, three brothers who had success building products and companies using AI. And they took what they knew and created this backend technology that can turn 2D into 3D. So 2D meaning a typical video taken on your phone, turn it into full 3D information. And they wanted to explore sports, you know, applications in sports with this technology, and they wanted a team that can execute on that. So 
I started advising them about the golf industry. And soon I realized that there's a great potential here. And I feel like I could be a really good leader for building the organization, building the product and executing on that vision. So yeah, in November, I joined full-time and founded Sportsbox with that group. Nice. Nice. So for anyone out there listening that is thinking about entrepreneurship, have an idea and you don't know where to start, this is great insights that Jihei is providing for us. Some of these key takeaways are don't try to do it all alone. Spend the first time building that foundation like you did. All the relationships you had cultivated, whether it was in business school, then at Topgolf and everywhere else through that, like you said, reaching out and building those relationships and giving back first before just asking. That's so important rather than trying to build this thing and not knowing where to start and not having these channel partners beforehand that you've got that. So this is a textbook success story of doing it right. So I love this. So I want to talk about this aspect. I've heard this phrase before. You probably heard it too, that in entrepreneurship with a startup, trying not to go alone, having others as co-founders and having what they call the hipster, the hacker, and the hustler, the three of them. And I see here, I'm I'm looking at my other screen now, and I, I see on your website here, you've got your founding and executive team. You've got yourself, of course, as CEO and co-founder. You've got Sam Meneker as the CTO, Chief Technical Officer and co-founder, and Stephanie Way, who I also know through the work that she's actually done in marketing and social media. So you've got the three of them. So perhaps you can tell us which of the three of you, who's the hustler, who's the hacker, and who's the hipster to make things happen here on the team? How would you describe a hipster? The hipster is the person that is the tastemaker. They know what's going on, trends that are emerging and patterns, and then able to aggregate all those things that are going on. And the, and the hustler is the one that then is making all the connections with other people in the industry is kind of that super connector and the marketer. And the hacker would be, uh, I think I just answered the question myself. I kind of wrecked it. I should have shut up there. I just ruined it, right? It's like I made it too easy for you. Like you asked. Um, I'll provide a little more context. But uh, okay, go for it. So I'm a mix of a hipster and hustler. And Stephanie, I think, is squarely in the hustler. Actually, Stephanie and I have complementary but similar skill sets. Obviously, she's got stronger communications and marketing background. Yeah, yeah. I'm more of on the business development side of things. So we're both like hipster hustlers. Yeah, and as you said, like the journey that I have taken, whether I, I certainly didn't know it would pan out like this, I so appreciate all of the relationships that I've built over the decade plus of being in the golf industry. Whenever I write a note to somebody, call somebody, text somebody, it's been so nice to just get a conversation with them and like explore these ideas without having something concrete in place, right? Like, here's my value to you. I didn't even have that. And they would just open the doors and we can explore what could come of it. So it's been really, really nice to continue to build on those relationships through what I'm doing at Sportsbox. So I'm definitely hipster hustler same with stephanie our cto sam is definitely the hacker and he's brilliant somebody that we definitely rely on hey sam can we do this and he'll like i'll figure it out that's what you need that's what you need love that love that well thank you for half answering the question that i started to answer there (laughs) between the two of us we managed to do that so i wanted to ask you this so when the three of you were then bashing this around and looking at not only the products and the features and the benefits that you're going to provide and seeing where the industry was obviously wanted to use ai here to turbocharge this one of the mistakes entrepreneurs make early and back in the day when i first started back in 2013 2014 with our first idea We didn't really understand not only the pricing model, but really the value that we were adding. Like the last thing you want to do 
like I said, I may have fallen into this trap early on, is you, you don't want to create a solution that's looking for a problem. You don't want to then look for something that then you are trying to convince people that this adds value or benefit for them. So talk about that, the business side of this, what you were looking at to obviously use AI to power this. So talk about that overarching and strategic piece of this before you launched your minimum viable product and put it out there. So I think this is really insightful for entrepreneurs when they start, because it's very easy to fall in love with what you're doing and just focus on building product before finding out if this is something that adds value that people will actually pay for. So talk about that in the early days of putting that together to validate customer market fit, as they call it. Yeah, it's a really great question. And I'm still figuring a lot of this stuff out. But the question that I keep answering, and I'm going to keep answering this as I go on is, How does this actually help a golfer get better? How does this help somebody become a better athlete, become a better golfer, become a better whatever it is that their their goal is and and the activity that we're considering? Obviously, initially it's in golf, but we're hopefully going to venture into many other genres. And there's so many ways in which we can go about doing that, delivering on that promise, uh, given our baseline technology. And our baseline technology is the ability to transform a video into full 3D information using AI. There's a scenario number one, which is let's layer on additional AI coaching that interprets the numbers for the, the golfer and gives them tips. That's scenario number one. Scenario number two is let's give coaches a tool to assess their students using accurate 3D measurements in order to teach better. Let's make the teachers better. Let's give the teachers a better tool to do what they do best. Both of those would deliver on the promise of making somebody better at golf, right? Right, right. And so we've actually decided to explore that second idea first. We can get to the first idea I described eventually, but giving teachers a tool to teach better whether it's in person or remotely or virtually, I think that's going to have a huge impact on our final promise of making somebody better at golf. Yeah, and I'm sure that the answer to that question is going to continue to evolve over the course of time, but that's what we're focused on right now. Got it, got it. So to expand on your response there, can you talk about in the early days in entrepreneurship, you'd keep it very close because you're making these assumptions that this is what people want and this is what Mm -hmm. people need and what people will pay for. And sometimes you don't want people to tell you that either your idea sucks or they don't understand it. So you've got to be brave and put yourself out there. And I know you have. So what did you do early on as far as whether it's personas or talking to people to, to validate this as far as your users? And it sounds like you wanted to talk to coaches to find out what what are the pain points? What are the barriers that are preventing them to use your technology? Whether you're, what you're creating here is making it more efficient, it's easier, it's it's more accessible, it's less, yeah. it's more cost effective, <laughs> all of those barriers. And it's got to be, as you know, something has to be like 10 times better for people to move as you humans, we like that warmth of doing what we do, even though it may not be great, even in relationships, sometimes you stay in things too long. And and sometimes with what you're doing here, the change is the fact of how do you get people from doing nothing, then on board for you. So I know I threw a lot out there, but let's distill that down. How did you early on, what conversations did you have to validate what you're doing to know you're onto something here, rather than just the assumptions that you're making? Who did you talk to early on to, uh, yeah. to validate the product? Actually, let me go back to the question that you asked just before, which is, how do you know that you're solving a problem that exists, yep. not you know, creating product that <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of creating product? Yep. 
the reason why we decided to first build a product for a, a tool for coaches is that that problem was much more well-defined. And we knew based on our market research that there was a problem, which is that coaches and golf instruction is headed in the direction of more data, more 3D data specifically. But to capture 3D data requires really expensive investment to build a 3D motion capture lab, right? Multiple cameras or sensors, markers on the body of the golfer that you're trying to measure takes up about 30 to 40 minutes to actually set up for one lesson. After a $100,000 investment, plus the 30 minutes of just lost time in a lesson, hour-long lesson, there was an actual problem. So this solution that existed was just not suitable for everybody, right? Right. So that's the problem we wanted to solve. Give coaches a tool that allows them to measure all those 3D motion data without having to go through the hassle and the investment. So we wanted to solve that. And so we obviously did market research. I went into some of these labs like motion capture studios and tried to get a lesson that way and listed out all the problems that I saw, the pain points that I saw and talked to the owners of these facilities where they decided to invest in the expensive machinery and talked about their problem, like what experiences they've had, what were the pain points they had. But also one of the first things that I did when I stepped in Obviously, I know a lot about golf. Stephanie knows a lot about golf, but we really do need an expert who's been coaching their entire life. So we onboarded Mike Adams and Terry Rolls, who are top coaches in the world, mm -hmm. uh, very well respected. For decades and decades, we onboarded them as advisors. Through them and their insights, their experience, and their network among coaches, we've been able to generate lots and lots of great data about the actual customer needs that we were trying to solve. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, great insights there. Wanted to ask you this, making money. So what is the business model? Are you looking at what's called a business to consumer play where people like myself to get better would pay on a recurring revenue or monthly? Are you recharging the coaches as a platform? So tell us about that. What's the revenue model? Yeah, it's going to be a freemium app. So yep. download for free and then there'll be a subscription depending on who you are and how much you're going to use it. So if you're a coach or a club fitter, somebody at the professional account level, there will be a subscription for you. And then if you are a student of the coach or eventually when we have the AI coaching module integrated, if you want to use that and get access to all the content that comes with it, there'll be a subscription for you. Got it. Got it. So let's talk about the actual user experience and the journey here. So let's talk about it first from the player side. Myself, I'm stuck at a 15, 16 handicap. I want to get better. I need to get better. So just a walk of that journey. Let's say I just downloaded Sportsbox and yep, walk me through it. So what, yeah. what, what, what do I do? Tell me about the experience. So differs slightly whether you work with a coach initially or you want to work with a human coach or if you want to use the AI coaching. Okay. Um, if you are working with the coach, you download it. Hopefully you've had an in-person lesson or a remote lesson with that coach and the coach has interpreted a few key things about your swing that you need to work on. Let's say you need to get your shoulder turned to 90 degrees from where it is now, which is 80 degrees. There's lesson number one, you need to work on that. 
and that gets set as your goal and you'll see that goal every single time you open the app for yourself. You can use the app to continue practicing with that goal in mind. So you set up the phone on a tripod or on the ground propped up by a, you know, a head cover or something and you hit balls. And every time you do, you can get an analysis and say you're at 82 degrees, 85 degrees, oh, 89 degrees. You're getting really close right? <laughs> and keep getting that feedback so that in between your lessons, you are clearly working towards a goal that you and your coach agreed on and that you're making progress that's measurable. So that's that's experience for the, the person who's working with the coach. If you don't have a coach yet and you do want to work with a human coach, you can reach out to a coach that's on the platform. You can send them a video. They will send you a 3D analysis back and give you a couple of things for you to work on. Again, in terms of inches and degrees, specifically what you need to work on, not just, hey, you need to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? For somebody who wants to work on the game with some AI coach-generated tips, it's going to be slightly different in that the interpretation of what needs to be worked on on your swing will come from our app, not necessarily human coach. So same thing, you set up the phone, take some swing videos, and we'll show you top three tips that relates to your golf swing. And here's how you work on that. Got it. Got it. So as far as maintaining that, you know, we're going to talk about business speak here, but as far as lifetime customer value in simple terms, having me use the app for three years rather than just a month or two months and, and then getting disengaged or being human. We quite often get lazy and we fall off, not unlike me going to my physiotherapist and then doing the exercises for like a day and a half and then stopping because I'm terrible that way, but I'm, I'm the only one that does that. From your experience with Top Golf, all being games-based and score-based, have you gamified this to incentivize people to motivate them a little more? Because we all like that, that dopamine drip of reaching goals and then celebrating that. So is that something you're already infusing into the experience or something you're looking to do? So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Gamification is key to keeping people engaged. So one gamification is having numbers that you're working towards, not mm -hmm. just, hey, relative to where you were before, trying to kind of look this way on video. You're actually working towards a specific metric in your swing, which I think does motivate somebody to keep going. And once you solve that, I mean, you know this, like golf swing is a never-ending puzzle, right? It's, not, <laughs> it's a little bit of a whack-a-mole, right? Like yep. you solve one thing and then you got another thing to solve. So it's going to continue to keep you engaged in that way. But we also have a few other tricks up our sleeve, like giving you a swing score that allows you to kind of objectively compare yourself against a pro swing or your friend, your husband or your wife's swing. Hey, like I got a 97 on my swing score. There's going to be a little bit of that as well and help you objectively evaluate where you are, quality of your swing and where you were versus where you are now. Got it. So I have a whole bunch of questions. I can keep going here for another hour, but hey, I, I do want to stop here. Reason being is you and I are going to jump on a video call. So we're going to have a slightly different conversation for our Mod Golf YouTube channel. So I do encourage all of our listeners to also become viewers because I do have some other things I want to ask Jihei, which I'm not going to reveal here right now. But as we finish up here, Jihei, why don't you tell our listeners where they can download? Or I don't know if you're on iOS and Android yet. So tell us about that, where they can learn more 
about Sportsbox AI, where they can download it. And also tell us about that, where you are and where people can find more information. Yeah, so where we are now is we have about 200 early access users who are among the top coaches in the world testing the app, giving us feedback and enjoying using the app in their lessons. Actually, we're getting feedback every single day, Instagram posts every single day about how they're using it to improve their students' slings and their game. So we are available on iOS and Android. You will be able to download the app in early October. We haven't set a date yet, but what you can do is go on our Instagram at sportsboxai or on our website, sportsbox.ai and drop us your email so that we can reach out to you when we are launching. Nice, nice. And as I always do, I will include all of those links that Shihei just mentioned in the show notes for this episode and also on her bio page on the Mod Golf Podcast website. Make it nice and easy for all you listeners to find out more and check it out. And when this episode is released, because we're recording it you know, a couple weeks before we're going to release it, it should dovetail very nicely with the release that you just talked about in October. So, hey, why don't we leave it there? So, Ji Haley, who is the co-founder and CEO of Sportsbox AI, amazing entrepreneur, someone I consider a friend. I always enjoy talking to you and I, I can't wait for, I'm up in Canada here in Vancouver, for that border to open and, and perhaps we can get down and see each other. Perhaps you can check out my mediocre golf swing in person and maybe I can even very soon actually see my score. Now I'm scared. I don't want to actually have like, a, I get a 14 or <laughs> let's something. Get but... you on, let's get you sports box. Let's get you avatar. Let's make that happen. I love that, that stuff. I'm a tech guy, so uh, I'm for it. So let's make that happen. So she, hey, thanks so much for spending the time with us and joining us today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you so much, Colin. That was awesome. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.